Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to a special reaction episode of Boom Lawyered, a rewired.news podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is wearing caftans now. I'm Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo. Rewire.news is dedicated to bringing you the best reproductive rights and social justice news, commentary, and analysis on the web. And the Team Legal Podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So Jess, it was my birthday yesterday. Happy birthday! Thank you! And as part of my aging process, I've decided that I'm going to start wearing a lot more caftans. Just be more Ooh, comfortable, yes. serve up a lot of Mrs. Roper realness. Like, that's just my thing. <laughs> totally. But do you know what happened because I'm wearing this caftan now? Uh, it means uh, that I'm not wearing the SCOTUS dress. Amani. I know. And so you know what that means? Amani. We got a real garbage decision in Little Sisters of the Poor. And I kind of feel like it's my fault. But at the same time, I don't feel like I should accept all of the blame. This is a lot for me to take in. Okay. First of all, again, (laughs) happy birthday. I mean, that's the most important thing, really, sincerely. It is, I think. The caftan looks amazing. I like this as a, like, fashion pivot for you. Totally, like, own this. You can, you rock it. Thank you. I don't think it's totally your fault that we got a garbage decision in the birth control case today because you weren't wearing your lucky SCOTUS dress. I think it's mostly the fault of the little sisters of the poor. Goddamn nuns! Sorry, I, that seems a little bit blasphemous. But like, Jess, I'm tired of these damn nuns. Yeah, I like you know, nuns generally. I love I love a sound of music style nun. You know, just twirling on a, on a, on the Alps somewhere. I had a nun who started a prison ministry in my family. She was pretty cool. Brilliant. These nuns, however, honestly, honestly, can we just not with these nuns? Yeah, I can't I can't anymore. Can you just can you explain what happened? Why I'm so verklempt? I mean, what's amazing about these nuns is that they've been fighting about the birth control benefit in the Affordable Care Act basically as long as you and I have been friends. That's a long ass time. It's a long time. It's almost a freaking decade. Let it go, nuns. (laughs) Let it go. Let it go. Make like Elsa and let it go. So here's what happened today. It was a really bad day at the court, which is a total bummer because like the last time we got to talk to you all, we had this great day and then we had Julie Rickleman on and it was all like love and abortion and it was amazing. And now it's like (laughs) hate and birth control and being crabby about the Administrative Procedure Act. Like, bah. But the Administrative Procedure Act, that's got to light your fire a little bit. Am I right? I just crossed yeah, I my legs, not going to lie. You're doing a little shoulder shimmy for the APA. <laughs> Only Justice Clarence Thomas could take all of the fun out of the Administrative Procedure Act for me today, which is exactly what he did. And I'm a little salty about it. You should be. Tell our listeners why. Yeah. Look. The APA is a work of art. It is a piece of legislative marvel that tells us how to do things. Right? Like, we need to know how to do things. How do you, like, implement a law? How do you implement the Affordable Care Act? You know what? The Administrative Procedure Act tells us how. That's super cool. And Justice Thomas was basically like, meh, the Administrative Procedure Act ain't all that. And this... Okay, I gotta, I gotta have a few words. First of all, how dare you? First of all, <laughs> Justice Thomas, how dare you? Second of all, Little Sisters of the Poor, what have you done? Sorry, you knew I had to just do that. 
that joke once. <laughs> hey, little sisters, what have you done? So, like 245 years ago when Trump was first elected, <laughs> he had a ceremony on the Rose Garden where he trotted out the little sisters of the poor. It was one of the very first acts that he did as president. And he said, you know what? That big, bad Obama administration, they did nothing but Step all over your rights. They were like forcing you to hand out birth control pills out of a Pez dispenser to kids on the playground kind of thing. Like, and my job as president is to put an end to that. And so he directed the agency, Health and Human Services, to issue some new regulations to basically give the nuns a pass from the birth control benefit. Except HHS didn't just give the nuns a pass. They gave every private employer who wants a pass from providing coverage for birth control for their employees the avenue to do so. And that's what this fight was about. So if the Little Sisters of the Poor wanted to raise a religious objection, the Trump administration was like, that sounds pretty cool. How about I see your religious objection and I raise you a moral objection as well? And that's what HHS did. And that just essentially, it just, it's an exemption that swallows the rule, right? I mean, if you have a rule that you have to do thing A, and then you have another rule that says, if you have a moral or religious exemption to doing thing A, you don't have to do thing A anymore, then who's going to do thing A? Precisely. Precisely. No one's going to do thing A except for like progressive employers. And, you know, there aren't a whole lot of those out there in the workforce. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, hey, abortions for everyone, birth control for everyone. Hallelujah. No, it doesn't work that way. I love how we gonna, both started gonna, shimmying at I, that we, argument. We really did. Why do we both shimmy <laughs> when we talk about birth It's the captain. It's, it's the birth control captain shimmy. We need to get on TikTok. <laughs> but Give it's me just, some pills. It's, I just need to express again one of my main beefs with this decision, with this particular th- these interveners, these interlopers. Mm. What are interloper veners? Interloper veners. So interloper veners are people who aren't parties to the litigation at first, but yeah. who feel they have some interest in the in the subject matter of the case mm-hmm. to the to the point where they feel like they need to be involved in the case. They need to intervene on behalf of one side or the other. And so these little sisters weren't plaintiffs in the case, weren't defendants in the case. They were interveners in the case, and they intervened essentially to, as you put it to me very aptly in Slack earlier, to be a human shield for the Trump administration. Yeah. Because everybody loves nuns. Just look at these cute little nuns. And all they're saying is, why should we have to hand out birth control? It's not fair. Look at what these mean liberals, these radical leftists are trying to do. They're trying to force nuns to take birth control. Bitch, no, we're not. (laughs) I was like, feminists with hairy armpits. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's not at all the case. First of all, little nuns. There is no universe in which you would have been required to provide birth control because of a really extremely boring law that nobody even gives a shit about. But this law is called ERISA. Okay, Jess kind of gives a shit about it because she likes all this agency stuff. But normal people don't give a shit about this law. That's not true. I'm sure there are plenty of normal listeners out there who love ERISA. I am not one of those people. But ERISA is important here because it essentially says that the government can't entangle itself in the operation of church plans. Mm -hmm. And the Little Sisters have a church plan. Like, that's what they do. And so the government could not have possibly forced the Little Sisters to do anything. 
So their right. only purpose in this litigation was to provide a really nice face to this really crap policy. So if you're looking at these cute little sisters and being like, of course we shouldn't force nuns to take birth control, you're going to feel a little bit mushier inside and not so much like, give me my goddamn birth control, which is what you should be feeling. You should be yelling, give me my goddamn birth control because these nuns have nothing to do with it. We were promised birth control, you know, like mm-hmm. I was told that I would get birth control in my yoga. <laughs> Yogurt, in my bananas, in my granola, and there is no birth control in my yogurt, my granola, or my bananas, and I'm very upset. I mean, we were <laughs> promised birth control. The Supreme Court essentially promised us birth control in Hobby Lobby eight years ago, right? Yeah, like, but that was whole- Tony Kennedy, and he bounced. Yeah, that's true. Tony bounced. Now we're stuck with Brad <laughs> McBeer and Neil. Not so Gorsic, Gorsic. <laughs> So here's what happened. Amani is exactly right. When the Trump administration issued these regulations, they knew that it would be kind of like a bad look to be out there defending them. So first of all, states sued. States like Pennsylvania, California said, hey, man, this is not okay." Like Amani said, we were promised birth control. We'd like our birth control. And by the way, these employees are paying for that coverage. So what you're doing is effectively putting on a tax for employees who want full access to coverage that Congress said, you can't do that. So the state said, hey, man, that's not cool. And the Trump administration said, no, we're totally fine with it. And the lower court said, no, actually, Trump administration, that's not cool. As soon as it started to look bad for the Trump administration, the Little Sisters of the Poor filed this motion to intervene. They said, hey, 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 we want to butt in. We want to do this. We want to defend the administration. We think it's important. And the court let them. And that is how they became the public face of this lawsuit and not the Trump administration. So we spent a lot of time talking about the nuns, including us, and that's important because they are absolutely bad faith actors here. But we also then got away from talking about what the Trump administration was trying to do, which was craft this massive regulatory expansion for employers of all stripes, right? If Hobby Lobby way back in the halcyon days of the the Obama administration was about, you know, whether or not religious employers had to provide this kind of coverage— What today's decision did that two of the liberal justices joined in on is said that it's not just religious employers. It's for-profit employers. It is universities. So, you know, how many students is this going to affect? You know, the potential impact here is huge. There's a little bit of good news. All right. Because we need some. Because right now it sounds like a big crap sandwich to me. Yeah. I mean, there's like a... I don't know. Maybe like I. Uh, I don't know. There's no way to like a thin it's, layer it's a of good news. Yeah, it's like a, a like shallow veneer. I don't know. Like, but be, so the Administrative Procedure Act legislative marvel tells us how to do things. The decision today was all about whether or not the Trump administration had the power to do this. So in the law, we call that a threshold question, right? Can the can the bad actor here even do the thing that they tried to do? And that was what this entire fight was about. So the majority opinion written by Thomas is effectively, I mean, there's plenty about the poor nuns and the terrible Obama administration and awful liberals like All of that gets peppered in, as we would expect. But it's really about the power of the government to act in this very, like, preliminary fashion. It is not a decision on the merits or the substance of these exemptions that the Trump administration has enacted. That is a fight that we have yet to have. So because time is a flat circle... We will be probably talking about the birth control benefit for the next 242 years of the Trump administration. (laughs) 
I believe you said it was 245. Not okay. Well, see, time is a trick. <laughs> Even that, like, see, this is all make-believe. But my point is, what the court did not to do today was bless the substance of these regulations. The court did not say today that a moral exemption to a generally applicable law, which is what the Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act is, is hunky-dory. That was not the decision. What the decision was is the Trump administration can try to pass such a regulation and we'll wait for another day to see whether that flies or not. So, yay. So this is a this is a so this is a, a an issue about process right now. We're in yep. a very process place and that's why this decision was 7 to 2, right? Because totally. Justices Kagan and Breyer have a process argument that they wanted to make. They concurred in the opinion but wrote separately to talk about process. Can you talk a little bit about what they said? Yeah, I know people are going to be out there like, WTF, Kagan? Like, I thought you were my girl. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, fair. WTF, Kagan and Breyer. You know, my read of the way that the Trump administration rolled out these regs is that they violate even the process part of the APA. So I'm with Sotomayor and and Ginsburg there. But what Kagan and Breyer did was effectively, I'd say, split the difference, right? So they know that there's this fight. And you're exactly right. They honed in on the process and they said, look, we don't like these regs. We love the ACA, but we don't have a lot of wiggle room here in terms of what the Administrative Procedures Act says that governments can do here. And at this first look, they can do this. Now, if this case comes back to us and we have to decide on the merits, whether or not these regulations um, themselves can stand, you know, their concurring opinions suggested that they would not uphold the regulations. So, yay. However, you know, do we have to go through this again? Could you not have just gone over with with uh, Sotomayor and Ginsburg, maybe tried to drag Roberts over with you to be like, this is nonsense. And here's why it's nonsense, because they they essentially promised us birth control and Hobby Lobby. And Ginsburg's opinion or her dissent, rather, gets to the heart of that issue. Right. She doesn't really seem to give too much of a shit about process. She gives (laughs) a shit about what was promised and what was supposed to be done. And she says, you know, in Hobby Lobby, we talked about this accommodation. We talked about how much the Obama administration tried to work with these religious people and said, "Okay, you know what? You can exempt yourself. Here's how you can exempt yourself. Just tell your insurer. Just Mm -hmm. call up the insurer and say, we don't like birth control. And then your insurer will just step right into your shoes and will provide that birth control for you. You don't even have to do anything. All you have to do is literally pick, not even pick up a phone, fill out a form. Yeah. Remember, we talked about this form form. for for years. One form. Fill out a form. Do you like? Do you want birth control? Check the box. Yes or no. Do you want to go to the prom with me? You know, one of those like really <laughs> foolproof forms. Do you want birth control? Do you want to go to the prom? Yes, no. <laughs> I mean, they're related, right? Like, want to go to the prom? Totally. Do you want some birth control? <laughs> but the point is, is that you know, the the point of the this this requirement, the birth control benefit, is so that. Women can get birth control. People who need birth control can get birth control without copay, without having to jump through a whole bunch of other hoops, without having to wait for Congress to develop some some nebulous fantasy birth control program whereby the government is going to start handing out birth control to people because they've now told corporations that corporations don't have to, which I don't know what country you're living in, but I'm living in a country where Congress is completely ineffective and incompetent Mm -hmm. and can't do anything. So I'm not exactly waiting for Congress to get on board and decide to do what is supposed to be done, which is provide birth control coverage and health insurance plans. So that's one thing she seems irritated about. I mean, look at the Voting Rights Act. Right. Right. 
What <laughs> have we done anything in the last decade about that? No, not at all. Moreover, the point of the of this health amendment, the women's health amendment, was to sort of break down some of the inequities in and the barriers to equitable coverage, right? Women pay so much more for health insurance because we do shit like give birth to babies. You know, not only women do because there are trans people who do as well. But, you know, but generally women's health care coverage is far more expensive for reasons to do with reproductive yes. health. Yes. And so when we are offered health insurance that covers those other things, that's stuff we're paying for already. We're paying for that with our labor. And so mm-hmm. what, the gov- what the Supreme Court has just said for now is that it's okay for essentially corporations to take money out of your pocket because they don't like what you're spending that money on. Dexter doesn't like it either. Even Dexter's just like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. But so that's what's really frustrating. The point of these provisions was to make sure that these health inequities and barriers were stripped down. Yeah. We were promised that they would be stripped down. They haven't been stripped down. Now, to your point, they may still be stripped down because we're not talking about an actual substantive discussion of religious exemptions and moral exemptions. We're talking about process and the APA. So there may be a point where we can where there will be a point in the future where we have to have this discussion again. But I really want to get to the to the heart of what Ginsburg is saying is that this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how we're now living in a world where it's okay for a for a for-profit private employer to look at what you're putting in your mouth and say, you can't put that in your mouth. Is that a birth control (laughs) pill? You can't put that in your mouth. Am I paying for that? I don't have to pay for you to put that in your mouth. You have to go pay for it on your own. And that's just bonkers to me. Right. It's it's a mess. And it's not like this is a hypothetical risk to folks either. The National Women's Law Center estimates that 61.4 million women 60 million women currently have yeah. insurance coverage of birth control without the without the out-of-pocket costs due to the Affordable Care Act. And so today's decision threatens that coverage. And it also opens the door to the administration trying more regulatory funny business with moral objections. Because if they think that there are five votes on the Supreme Court to bless that kind of moral objection to the birth control benefit, maybe there are five votes to bless that kind of moral objection to, oh, I don't know, a minimum wage. You know, who's to say? I just, I don't know. I'm also a little mad that Ginsburg didn't mention Arissa. Mm. Because I feel like if... If there's a law that says you don't ever have to do this, why are you filing a lawsuit complaining that someone's going to make you do the thing that the law already says you don't have to do? Yeah. Or they're not filing a lawsuit, intervening in a lawsuit, rather. I I need someone to explain that to me like I'm five years old because it's just it's just what's you're going to see me yelling about it on Twitter a lot. I've been yelling about it for several months. I don't understand why the little little sisters were permitted to turn this piece of litigation into like a public public spectacle. I got nothing for you, Imani. Ugh, Christ. (laughs) You know, another thing that's really interesting about this decision, and it ties into another one that the court released today, uh, this case, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe School versus Morrissey Baru, and Justice Alito had that decision. We haven't talked about that case a lot on this, or at all on this podcast, actually. What's that case about? This is a huge deal case that has gone under the radar for a lot of folks, um, and we're going to see the ripple effects for it. So the heart of the question in Our Lady of Guadalupe School is whether or not religious employers can avoid discrimination lawsuits by exercising their rights as employers. So in this case, a, a teacher was fired for having breast cancer and uh, sued uh, the school district and said, hey, you can't do that. 
<laughs> and the Ninth right. Circuit said, yeah, no, that's employment discrimination. And today, Justice Alito, with the rest of the conservatives and a couple liberals, said, you know what? In some instances, uh, religious employers actually can do that. So we had two really big employment law decisions today that were grounded and sort of wrapped up in the packaging of religiosity of religious employers. Yeah. But the impact is not limited to folks who share that faith. The reach of those decisions will get to employees who may not share those faith, who just happen to be going to that university or employed by that particular school. And so this is big. And the idea that the court would drop these two decisions today, to me, is just another reminder that, yeah, this is bad. It's about evangelicalism, but really it's also about a huge expansion of corporate power at the Roberts Court. Whenever bosses come before the Roberts Court, they do really well. And right. today they did really well. And really what this discussion about the sort of increasing religiosity of the courts and con constitutional law and jurisprudence mm -hmm. is that... People who are religious are now being told that they can infringe on the rights of people who are not religious, Yeah, right? They can force people who do not adhere to the same religious tenets that they do to nevertheless adhere to those religious tenets. Yeah. And so Ginsburg points this out in her dissent, and I think, you know, she's spot on, which is, you know, that sort of old thing about how, you know, your right to punch ends where the other person's face begins. Like, totally. you can punch all you want, religious people. You can scream about religion. But if you want to complain that a certain policy infringes upon your sincerely held religious beliefs, which is how the R Religious Freedom Restoration Act frames that question, then you can't force me to be sort of stuck with your religious bullshit, right? It's yep. like, totally. I'm Jewish. If you're Catholic... That's great for you, but I'm not. So yeah. why do I, Jewish person, have to adhere to all of your religious, sincerely held beliefs? That doesn't make any sense. We live in a yeah. free society. We live in a society, <laughs> as would suggest, right? But we live in a, we're supposed to live in a free society where you can practice whatever religion you want, free from governmental yeah. interference. And here, in the name of freeing up, freeing up, the birth control fight from governmental interference, the government has actually interfered on the side of these religious people against yeah. everyone else. It's put its thumb on the scale. Yeah. And it's, and I find that really worrisome The where this country is going in terms of religious imposition, because I'm not going to call it religious freedom. It's religious yeah. imposition. You're imposing your religion on me. It is frightening. The, the strides that evangelicals have been able to make in this area constitutionally speaking and mm -hmm. statutorily under the yeah. religious freedom restoration act. It's, it's a real bummer, man. <laughs> okay. But I got some actual good news for you. Okay. Hit me. The Supreme court is actually going to, the term what? Amani, it's going to end tomorrow. What do you mean it's going to end? What do you I mean, mean it's going to end tomorrow? I mean, you, in theory, what? that's what the court what? announced today. I mean, you know, so They're ending forever. Just no more court forever for the rest. Of, or just no, like the no, term. no, 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 <laughs> no. No, oh, not fine. forever. So we're going to have to come back and do this in the fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, the court announced today that tomorrow is going to be the last day of decisions. And so that's good. Hopefully we get all of them. I mean, we're still waiting to figure out if we can see Trump's tax returns. Who knows? Stay tuned. We may. We may not. <laughs> Who's to say, really? Chief Who's Justice John Roberts. Yeah, That's seriously. my guess. So the good news is, though, that the court is uh, wrapping up business. It also means, Amani, that you and I are going to take a little break. We're going to catch our breath. We are going to process 
We're going to sit with the conclusions from the term. We're going to emote online (laughs) (laughs) about them for a little bit. But really, we're going to catch our breath, and we'll be back if anything important happens, obviously. But other than that, we'll be on a lighter schedule through August. So we invite you all to hydrate, get some snacks, catch your breath, because once we roll back up in September, it's going to get serious and busy and quick. And we have four abortion cases next term, right? Well, they're thinking about them yet. They haven't they're taken them about yet. It. Right, right. They're conferencing yes. on four. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. So they, no, they, they haven't taken any abortion cases yet. But they've got a lot to think about over the summer, apparently. Oh, Well, before we go. We wanted to say thank you, listeners, so much for supporting us. It means so much to us. This entire spring, we've really been shocked and humbled by how generous so many of you Seriously. have been. We've had dozens and dozens of donations. Someone donated to Rewire for my birthday yesterday, which was amazing. <laughs> you oh, know, thank we've got you. we've got over 20 monthly donors. So this is just a really exciting moment for us, and we are just very grateful to you. If you'd like to join the Lawner donor community and have a couple extra bucks to spare, you can sign up at rewire.news slash boom give. That's rewire.news slash boom give. Or because we are living in the 21st century, you can text boom give to 44321. That's boom give, one word, to 44321. Amazing. It is. The future Um, is now. It is right. The future is now. The, also, the future was 245 years ago. Um, <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Angry Black Lady. If you want to follow Jess on Twitter, you can follow, find her at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You should follow Rewire News at Rewire underscore news because there's a lot of good stuff happening there. We've got a new social media manager who is crushing it. Totally crushing it. Um, on Instagram as well, she's crushing it at rewire.news. I've transferred the Facebook group over to her. She's crushing it there. We've got 1,500 members. Woo! Just get in on the Boom Lawyered Love, people. It's the summer of Boom Lawyered Love. I'm calling it now. With captains. With captains. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, what are we going to do, Jess? We'll see you on the tubes, folks. We will see you on the tubes, folks. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason-Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Filetti produces the show. 